0: I was just thinking about a testimony. I don't know if I shared this here yet. It happened a while ago in New Zealand. When Bill and I were in New Zealand doing a conference, this gal came up to me and she said, um, somebody broke into her house and stole her computer and her iPod. Have you guys heard this testimony? Somebody stole, uh, Did you or you did not? <laughs> somebody broke into her house and stole her computer and her iPod. And uh, it was a Mac, so it was very valuable. <coughs> you know, I mean, some of those other computers, you just give, you know, you don't even lock your house, if you're knows those, or your car, just like, anyway. So, so this somebody steals her, her computer and her iPhone, and, and, you know, she calls the police, they actually you know, broke into, her, into, the, into the window of her house, and into her apartment, I guess, and and uh, so about a week goes by, and she's just praying about, she doesn't have money to replace them, so she's just praying for God to replace her computer and her iPod, and I think a week or two goes by, and she gets a call, and this, this guy calls her, and he goes, uh, hey, you don't know me, but um, somebody stole your computer and your iPod, didn't they? <laughs> and she's like, well, yeah, how do you know that? He goes, oh, I just know. And he said, I'd like to meet with you and talk to you about it. And so she's talking to him on the phone. She goes, did you steal my computer and iPod? And he's like, well, yeah. And and he said, but I'd I'd like to talk to you about it. Would you meet me someplace? And she's like, she said, I was totally freaked out, but I had this little voice that said, just meet with him. So... She said, well, I'll meet you in this public restaurant, you know. So she goes to the restaurant, meets with this guy. Here comes this guy, you know. And he sits down and he hands her back her computer and hands her back her iPod. And he said, um, he said so he said, "So she said, so what made you decide to bring my computer back? I mean, you didn't get caught or anything. He goes, well, you know, you know, on your iPod you have all these sermons downloaded on your iPod? he goes she goes yes he goes there's this sermon on there about spirit wars and he said i started listening to that sermon and i think that guy's absolutely right i'm in a spirit war and a spirit told me to take your computer and your iphone and i just decided that that was the wrong thing to do so i decided to bring it back and is that cool I preached that message. I asked her to send me an offering. I mean, how else are you going to be a prophet? Yeah, think about that. Anyway, yeah, pull up, pull up. So she gave him the iPod, then turned him into the police. But anyway, uh, oh, that's just kind of a cool. That's a cool testimony, though, isn't it? So, you know, just put one of my messages on your iPod, and they'll just bring it back. (laughs) I thought it was a good idea. Um, Before we get started, does somebody have, uh, it started about a week ago, buzzing in your ear? I think it's in your right ear. Like, it sounds almost like a bee, buzzing in your right ear. Would you stand? Yeah. Okay, one of you is not telling the truth. I'm just kidding. Yeah, did it start like a week ago? Sounds like a bee in your right ear, right? Yeah, that's cool. Okay, just go ahead and sit down. No, stand up. It's good. No, stand up. It's, the Lord told me that, he, um, that He's been um, trying to get your attention. Um, so He sent a prophetic bee after you. And, um, and, the, and the Lord says that um, from this day forward, He's going to change your be. He's going to change who you be. And uh, He just wants you to hear this. He wants you to know that He's, uh, he's changing you. Like It says in um, 1 Samuel chapter 10 that when Saul met Samuel, that he was changed into another man. And uh, the Lord's done something really powerful in you. I don't mean there's anything wrong with you, by the way, that the person that you... That you are is, is bad. But the Lord is going to change you into a different person. In a year from now, people aren't even going to know you. Like, I saw boldness come over you, like this supernatural boldness. that, um, that This unrestrained kind of supernatural boldness come over you. I just saw you walking through stores and all of a sudden this incredible, this mantle just comes on you. And you're like, uh, is there anybody in here that needs... And you're like, this is not me, I don't do this. But the Lord's changing your bee. And um, you're going to hear the sound. That sound's going to last for one more week as the Lord begins to transform you. It's going to be a sign that, that the kingdom is coming inside of you in a new dimension. And, um, and it's going to change to your left ear so that you know it's the Lord. So that you know there's nothing wrong with you, that you're not crazy. It's going to change to your left ear. It's going to last one more week. And, um, and you're going to feel something happen. And people are going to start saying, who, who, I don't even know who you are anymore. But it's going to be a positive thing. You know, my wife says that to me, but it's, it's going to be a positive statement. Uh, yeah, just put your hands out like this. That's awesome. I don't know why you're doing that. but Lord, we just pray right now that you would just touch them so deeply that they would never, ever be themselves again. That they would be you in them. That, Lord, that you would just you're just cultivating a new dimension in them and lord i just thank you for this night and i think there's people that are listening to by tv that you've had the same you've had the same thing happen to you and the lord's doing it to you too lord we just release that over them let them let them be so on fire that they don't even know themselves we just release that over every single person who's standing right now in jesus name thank you lord all right, you can sit down. That's good. Okay, let's pray. Jesus, we just um, we thank you for what you're doing tonight. We thank you for what you're doing in people, what you're doing in each one of us, Lord. You're surprising us by how much you like us and um, how much we're beginning to like ourselves. Doesn't it feel good to just like yourself again? Like, some of you haven't liked yourself since you were born. And now the Lord's just doing a new thing in you. And you're like, I, I like me. Like, I'm really, if you knew me, you'd like me too. And Lord, I just pray for just a real anointing on people just to love themselves, to love you. Lord, we just pray for open doors too. We just pray that you would just open doors, that you would, that you would unlock different realms to us. Um, dimensions that have been that we've been locked out of, and we pray for that in Jesus' name, Amen. Um, I started a couple of weeks ago, I think, or so. Um, just started uh, with this scripture, Proverbs twenty-three, one. When you sit down to dine with the ruler, consider carefully what's before you, and put a knife to your throat. If you're a man of great appetite, do not desire his delicacies, for his food is deceptive. And I started this series called Standing in the Presence of Kings, and it, it's really coming from a prophetic um, experience that I've been having for uh, a, a while, but it's been intensifying. I really feel like the Lord is, gonna, is opening the door to unreached people groups that are not necessarily in different countries, or in, but I think they're in different realms. Like, I think the Lord's not just trying to reach every, every geographic location. He's trying to reach every demographic location. And I, and I feel like a lot of the pressure that, um, seems to be honest is, um, you know, when, when Nehemiah started to rebuild the walls, Sanbele and Tobiah, and, and Gershom, which are the enemies of, of Nehemiah, they start trying to intimidate him, scare him, and say things to him like, what are these feeble Jews doing? Can they rebuild the, the walls? Can they rebuild it from these dusty stones? And, and they start to try to intimidate him, but none of that ever happened until Nehemiah started to rebuild the walls. And um, oftentimes I feel like we start to move into dimensions, we start to move into uh, promised areas, promised land uh, would be a great metaphor, but areas where God has given us promises. And you know, oftentimes as we begin to move into those promised land, as we begin to move into those promised places, those gifts, those dimensions that the Lord has prophesied to us many years before, we begin to, to get, have resistance in our life. And that, and we st- we start to think that there's something wrong. There's something wrong with us. There's something wrong with the circumstances. And I just want to say that, that, first of all, I think that when we start to move into territory that's been inhabited by actually demonic powers and demonic spirits, that's when the sandals and Tadwaias uh, start to get nervous and try to keep us out through accusation, through intimidation, through fear and, and that sort of thing. And they tried to do it by... Um, exposing um, either, you know, those feeble Jews, like they, it's, oftentimes it comes as an attack against, um, against, against our very nature, like, who are you and who is God? And, and we did a whole series on that a while back, but I just want to remind you, I really feel like the, that um, Proverbs says, a man's gift will make room for him and bring, bring him before kings and great men. And I believe, really believe, I saw the Lord just beginning to hand out these gifts and I believe that the Lord's going to give us extraordinary gifts. That, that, that those gifts are actually, if you opened up the gift, it's an invitation to a new dimension. I, I believe the Lord's opening up new dimensions to us, and that we're going to be invited into places where uh, we've never been invited before. And it's, um, it's not actually because people like us, it's because they're desperate. I don't mean they don't like us, I simply mean... That the the world gets desperate, they're looking for answers. They've tried everything else. Um, last um, time I shared, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the we we um, talked about Daniel, and it's interesting if you read the book of Daniel. In fact, I'm I'm through about the eighth or ninth chapter this week. That the king that Nebuchadnezzar, in fact, Nebuchadnezzar and um, every king that Daniel served. served Every time they get in trouble, they call for the, you know, the surstraps and the codgers and basically the psychics of their day. And it's interesting that Daniel's always in last. Have you ever noticed that? Like, Daniel's always late. And he tries everybody else. Nebuchadnezzar tries everybody else. Darius tries everybody else. Cyrus tries everybody else. And then they're going, man, is there anyone else? And Daniel shows up on the scene and I feel like that's such a prophetic declaration of where we are. I think the world is trying everyone else. They're like, don't ask those crazy Christians. Those people are weird. We don't, we don't like those people. They have strange traditions and customs. But I think we're getting to the place where the world is beginning to say, we need somebody who has an answer. I don't care what their title is. Just bring them in. And, and let's see if they can interpret these, this, these times, if you will. And I feel like there's an extraordinary um, gift on us right now to, to discern times and seasons and to be invited into the presence of powerful people in different realms of society that has never, you might say, well, that's happened all through history. I think that this is going to be unprecedented. I don't think this has ever happened in this, in, in this way. Like, I saw this wave just come over society. And I, I feel like we are hope for the nations. And listen, one of the things that, there in several, there's so many things going through my mind, but one of the things that we have to realize is that we've never been called to start storms. We've always been called to stop them. We've never been called to start earthquakes. We've always been called to stop them. And we need to realize that our role is not, is not, to, not to discern the dry bones, but to call for a mighty army. We're, we're called to be a house of hope. Are you with me? And I, I don't know why it's been so confusing, but it seems to me like prophetic ministry in the, 20s, the late 20th century, the early 21st century that we're just in now, it seems like so much of prophetic ministry, if, if, if we were in the book of Ezekiel, we would think prophetic ministry is, is, is prophesying the, uh, the, how many bones are in the, in the sand and in what shape they might be in. Like, like we have this idea that discernment has something to do with telling God how bad the situation is and then describing that to the people, and that's prophetic ministry. But I want to ask you a question. What if we're on the eve of construction? What if God is actually building a mighty army out of dry bones and God says, listen, I don't want you to tell me what you see. I don't want you to tell me what is. I want you to tell me what should be. And God just begins to move... Are, are you following me at all? I just, I feel so strongly that the Lord's going to give us an anointing where we're going to see what can't be seen. We're going to call things that are not as though they are. Not because we have a good idea, but because we have a God idea. And, uh, and so, I just, I just, that's what I believe. I think I'm right about that too. And, um, and part of this. Um, comes from a uh, experience I had, and again, this is all I shared all this a couple of weeks ago. But we're going to probably finish in a different way tonight. I had this um, encounter. Oh, I don't remember. It was during the worship school, right before the uh, during the uh, school of worship. I had been having these experiences where um, I I kept feeling like the Lord said the mascot for this season for the for the prophetic season is not any longer the eagle, but the owl. And so um, I was sharing in worship school this summer, and when I came to the pulpit, on the way to the pulpit, the Lord said to me, I want you to prophesy before you preach. And I'm like, okay, what am I going to say? And he said, I want you to share that vision you have of the owl. So I got up, and it went something like this. I don't remember the details very well, but I got up and I shared that I feel like the Lord is changing the mascot of this season, from the eagle to the owl, because the owl is nocturnal, lives in the night, can see through the darkness, and knows who's who. And it was a lot longer than that, but it was, that was kind of the, the basic message. And as I'm sharing that, um, uh, Jen Johnson comes up to me, I think it may have been right after that, and she said, one of the, I think it was a uh, person who was auditing the class, on the way to school that day, found an owl on the road and brought it to school. And so I just, I just I'm just i like, well, that's really, that's just kind of crazy. Um, so the next day, we flew, Jason, my son and I, flew to meet uh, Ahmad Givens, who is, um, is a, his, his stage name is Real. He has a show on VH1, and there's this whole thing that he wanted to get my purity book. I, have, I wrote a book on sexual purity. He read the book, got totally rocked, and said, I want to get this book on VH1, which I don't know if you've ever, I didn't even know what VH1 was. They're like, "You have you ever heard of MTV?" I'm like, "Yeah, sort of. I don't watch that stuff at all. I watch uh, peop- movies where people get killed and <laughs> real entertainment. Gladiator, Godly movies. <laughs> movies with their real, uh, you know, kingdom principles. <sighs> so anyway, so we fly down to aMeet uh, a and his manager, and um, his he has a, his attorney and Bethel's attorney is the same attorney. So we were meeting at, in the attorney's office, and Ahmad's sitting there, and he's he's kind of a um, kind of a rapper. Um, he's an African American man. He's a rapper, and he does this dating show, which is not a dating show you would want to watch. I hope if you want to watch that, stand up right now and pray for you get delivered. That's right. So anyway, so we're we're interacting with with Ahmad and we're doing this you know kind of doing this business deal. He's getting my book on VH1 and we're discussing the terms of it. And maybe we're ten minutes into this conversation, and I I just have this overwhelming. It's not just a sense. I just keep seeing over Ahmad. Uh, I don't I know. This is kind of weird. I don't know why this happens to me. But when I'm talking to people, sometimes not in an open vision, I'm like I don't see it with my eyes. But as profoundly, I see things over people sometimes, and sometimes it gets so intense, I can't. It's really hard to concentrate on anything else we're talking about. So we're we're talking about business, and we're kind of me, you know meeting for the first time, really like him, and, and you know, so we're kind of sharing back and forth, doing a little bit of business. But I keep seeing this thing over him, uh, and I see uh, first of all, I see this word "profit to the nations" written over him, and I'm like, well, that's really weird. You know, I don't know this guy hope he's a Christian. Um, and then, um, and, and so, so we get about 10 minutes in this, and it gets so intense, I literally cannot focus on anything but that, this, this picture I keep seeing in my mind. So I go, hey, hey, time out, time out. And our attorney's all, um, I said, I, I can't do this. I, I can't do this anymore. And he's like, what can't you do? I'm, I can't do this business thing anymore until I tell you what I see. And, so mods there, and I said, you know, you're called to be a prophet to the nations, and and he kind of looks at me, and I go, and the Lord said that you know you um, you almost died in your mother's womb, and it was, uh, and I started describing, I didn't know what the disease was called, but I just started describing it, and he just like tears start running down his eyes, and um and I go, and the Lord's been giving you a sign, He's been giving you a sign that you are a prophet to the nations, and I, as soon as I say that, he goes, dude. He goes, You're never gonna believe what's been happening to me. I'm like, what? He goes. He goes. We're driving down the road, and this is his manager's there. He goes, Steve, Steve, you remember this? We're driving down the road. I think it was like three months or something ago, some time ago. And he goes, and he goes, and this owl flies right down and almost hits our windshield. A white owl. He goes, it was freaky, and I knew it was something to do with the Lord. And then, and he goes, and then he goes, wait, it gets, it gets, it gets better. He said about. I don't know, a week or two weeks, some short time after that, he said, I'm walking down the road by myself. And he goes, and a white owl comes down in the middle of a city, in another city, in a place we're doing this concert. It comes down, it almost lands on my shoulder and swoops on takes off. The white owl. Now, I haven't told him a thing about owls yet. It was the day before I prophesied about owls. And he said, and then, he goes, and then, and he goes, then Steve and I are walking down the street in another city, and this is like two weeks ago, he says, and he says, and this owl comes, swoops down, and flies right between us, didn't it, Steve? And Steve's like, yeah, and he goes, and it was another white owl in another city. And he said, I knew it was the Lord. So anyway, so I'm in this conference, uh, this is like a month ago, a month and a half ago, and I'm sharing this story. And as I'm sharing the story, I had my phone, my iPhone, the only real phone there is. <laughs> they got Jesus apps on that thing, man i 'm serious, like like you could be speaking, and if, it's like the yerm and thumbum, if you're saying something wrong, it rings one way, and if you 're saying something right, it rings another it 's just i don 't know where they got it 's like the it 's like a modern day breastplate anyway uh, so I was preaching and i had the, I had the, the, my phone in my front pocket on vibrate and, and I was preaching, and, and it, um, it went off like it had a text message, and I was like, you know you ignore it, but it keeps going off so I was gonna. I was preaching. And I was just going to kind of hide it up here and set it up there, and push the button so it stopped going off and or turn it off. And when I when I went, when I turn it over like that, it's it it's a text message from Ahmad. He and so I'm telling the story as I'm telling the story about this owl, about Ahmad's owl, and this whole thing about the owl. As I'm telling the story, my phone rings. So I go like this, and I kind of hide it. You know, I'm preaching, and I set it up here like this, and I'm acting like I'm not paying attention. And I look over it, and it's a mod. And I'm like, well, mod's texting me. That's odd. And he goes, you'll never believe it, another owl. As I'm telling the story about the owl, you'll never believe it, another owl. Is that crazy? And and so I'm like, wow, you know, what does that mean? And I, I don't fully know what it means. Now people send me owls. I get pictures of owls. I I don't think it's prophetic anymore. It's just like a Facebook owl. Owls are. And you know what? The truth is, I've never seen an owl in my whole life. To this day, I've still never seen one. The guy that brought one to school, I never saw that. I don't know. It died on the way here or it was in a cage. I've never seen an owl. (laughs) I hate when you have a great prophetic word and it never happens to you. Like, What's that? What? I don't have it on me. Oh, it's down there. I'm, I'm, I'm doing good right now, so I didn't bring my urine. Oh. You guys did? Is that, they had two white owls almost hit their windshield, Brian and Jen. Is that crazy? I have no idea what that means. It's a good word, though. Huh? You know what it means? You want to come up here and preach instead? I'm holding the mic. No. Last test.
1: Last? Is it on? I think it's on. Okay. Last week I asked the Lord, because this thing has been going on with, bo- with, you, with both of us, and I just asked the Lord, I said, what does this mean? Because it kept, keeps occurring, and we both keep seeing it. And I asked the Lord, and He said, what? The, the word of the testimony, which is the spirit of prophecy, the word of the testimony is what the owl is um, I saw an owl in a tree and basically there was like these rodents everywhere on the ground and in the night season the owl could see what was meant to destroy and he would swoop down and not only would he kill it but it, what was meant to destroy would bring him nourishment and light and I saw the Lord and he, um, and he, and he was taking us as people and he was putting us up on these uh,
0: I, I'm, I'm preaching I know, I know, I know
1: you set me up you set me up this has been us together okay. no, come on now and the owl wasn't dead. The owl wasn't dead. You had to leave to go to another meeting, and he brought the owl in, and all the school ministry students walked by and just received whatever the Lord and, was saying.
0: And I never saw it.
1: You know, too many meetings. What are you going to do? I impart that. I impart that. I impart the impartation of this the This is not
0: a talk show.
1: I know. Come on. So there is this limb. There is this limb of a tree, and we, we as people turned into owls, and we flew up in, into the um, thing, and I saw that... Um, the, our eyes got really big. The owl's eyes got really big, and he could see in the night. And he was doing this, and he could see something that was meant to destroy. And he would swoop down and not only kill it, but he it would bring him nourishment. So I feel like what the Lord is saying oh. is that in this season, oh. that not what was meant to destroy will not only harm us, but it'll bring us good.
0: That's awesome. Which is actually the story of Joseph, which is in my notes. And Joseph says to his brother, What you meant for evil, God meant for good. So I wanted to see if you were flowing. I'm doing a little mentoring here with the young prophets. and It's pretty close. That was pretty close. Yeah, pretty good. I think we should take an offering for me. <laughs> yeah, she did good. No, that was awesome. That was a good word. So, I, I feel like the Lord is going to take us into the darkness. And, and, and there's some, I think there's some um, things, like uh, we began last week by talking about, in Proverbs 23.1, he says, When you sit at the, um, at the table of a ruler... Put a knife to your throat. If you're a man of great appetite, do not desire his delicacies, for it's deceptive food. And I think that the Lord wants to just begin um, to—he's working some stuff into us. I I keep having all these people come to me, and they're like, "I feel like I'm gonna die." I'm like, "What's happening?" Like, I feel like, and they start describing this thing, and I'm like, "No, it's the Lord at work in you. Like, the Lord's at work in us, so that He can work through us. Do you know what I'm saying?" And I was thinking about these, one of the things that needs to happen is we need to learn how to customize without compromise. Like, it's important that we can, we can customize without compromise. Like, Daniel was, and last week we talked about, two weeks ago, that Daniel's you know, named the name of, his, of, of Nebuchadnezzar's god, Belchelzar. His, it's the name of Nebuchadnezzar's god. But he won't eat the king's food he prays three times a day when it, when it's illegal. And what I'm getting at is that he has certain standards, certain principles, if you will, that he won't compromise. And yet there's other things where he just gets invited in, and he's like, I don't care what the king calls me, as long as I don't have to compromise. You know my values. Are you with me? Uh, Jesus does this so well that he actually is called a a, 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 wine, a drunkard. And a friend of sinners. In other words, the company he kept began to re-identify him to the religious world. Now, how many of you know that Jesus is not a wino? He's not a sinner. But because, because of the people he's hanging around with, he begins to be re-identified by the religious community. And I have a sense that... I, I'm not saying this prophetically... But it seems to me that whenever we move into new territory, that the first people to attack before Goliath ever taunts us, our brothers meet us first. There's just something about Joseph has to deal with his brothers before he ever deals with Pharaoh. David wants to take Goliath out, but his brothers are the ones who try to intimidate him. Are you with me? Daniel is dealing with his fellow Sir Straps before we ever deal with you know, Darius. And what I'm getting at is that, is that I, I think that friendly fire takes out as more people than the enemy does. And I think that we're going to have to realize that, that we have to trust people's hearts. It's time that we trust people's hearts. Like, like we, we, we have to, and Bill's the best at this on our team, and on almost everybody on our team is much better than I am. So this is not my message. I stole this from watching our team. I wish this was my message. Dan, Dan said this two years ago, Dan Fairley, two or three years ago. I'm in his office, and we're talking about some hard situation. And he said this to me. It wasn't out of the blue. I don't remember what the situation was, though. He goes, I've never met someone I didn't like. I go, what? I said, man, you're full of crap. He goes, no, I've never met. I said, you've never met anyone you didn't like? He goes, let me think. I'm like, forget it, man. If you have to think about it, there's just something about loving people because they were made in the image of God. Do you you know what I'm saying? There's something about going, that person's valuable because they're made in the image of God. And it doesn't matter if they're, if they're, if they have political affiliations that we don't like, or they have, or they have convictions that we don't have, or they're Nebuchadnezzar's, or they're, or, you know, they took you captive, or whatever. There's something about valuing people, not because they value you, but because you can see God in them. There's something about getting into the darkness and be able to go, that Rahab is the great-great-great-grandmother of Jesus Christ. There's something about being able to look past people's stuff. And I honestly, I, I do this really well when God's anointings on me, and that's when the team knows I'm anointed, because I don't normally do this very well. I, I, I'm not the, I, I am by nature not very trusting. And, and when I... When I this is, I'm just being totally too... You know, I guess I tell on myself a lot. When I trust someone that seems totally untrustworthy, I go, this has to be God, because I don't act like this. And I'll be with, I'll be with somebody that is totally being a total um, challenge. 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 I think part of my problem is in my, the way I think. I don't have words.
2: <laughs>
0: I have words, but they came from Egypt. Dude. You guys know I was in the business world for like... I owned business for 20 years, and I worked in them for 10 years before that. So people are like, you cuss from the pulpit. I'm like, you think this is cussing? <laughs> <laughs>
2: This is very clean. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry.
0: Sometimes I get with people that are are, are totally challenging. I can't remember that. One. And I just fall in love with them. I just like, I just, and they're just, and they just have a total, their history is totally like, you know, your, your reputation becomes your reputation. A lot of people hate their reputation. They want, they want it. To, that person's talking bad about me. I want, I want to tell you something. They're like, it, it's everybody except for Dan. <laughs> you did that to you. You, you. Your reputation became your reputation. Now you don't like it, so the only way you're going to change is by changing repetition. reputation, not getting mad at everyone who is calling you what you're acting like. But I, sometimes I meet people like that and I'm like, I just totally fall in love with him. Have you ever had this happen? No, don't, don't say it happens all the time, please. I have enough conviction with Dan. And Danny likes when you screw up, because he just has this gift to fix everybody. So he's like, anybody in trouble? Like If I want a meeting with Danny, I'm like, I'm having a problem. Then I get in there, I'm like, I'm doing good, man. I just want to see you. I told him he's a bad weather friend. The only time we have a friendship is when I'm in trouble. That's not true, though. I just lied, huh? From the pulpit. Under oath. Crap. Anyway. I'm very I'm being,
2: I'm
0: being challenging. Sometimes the Lord just puts an anointing on us where we just begin to see people not as they are, but as God sees them. I, I just... i got to be... I, I got to tell you, this is happening me with somebody. President Obama, the Lord has put him in my heart. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, I, I guess I because because of the, you guys are all Christians, I feel compelled to tell you that I don't agree with most of this stuff. Okay, we're all right now. <laughs> but there's something about him. Like I, I like him. I never met him, but I like him. Like I actually like him. I, I like you know when he when he does things I that are challenging? I go, the Lord's going to change him. I, listen, this isn't my nature. Like I know it's God. Because I'm, I'm watching him on TV, and I'm getting angry, and, and I'm like, I know I really like this guy. And when people talk bad about him, I want to protect him. And I'm like, that is totally not me. <sighs> Have you ever had that happen to you, S- sincerely? where there's somebody that does not carry your core values whatsoever, and is living a lifestyle that's completely opposite of everything you believe, but when you get around them, you just love them. And when you get around them, it's almost like you want... It's like you can see all the bad stuff, but the little stuff they do that's good, like, glows. Or something. You know what I'm trying to say. It's like, it just stands out to you. You're like, yeah, but he he said God... I think he was cussing. No, no, no. He didn't mean it that way. He's praying. How many of you experience what I'm actually trying to say? And I feel like the Lord, it's like, you know, Daniel's with Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, the guy is total. Challenging. He's very challenging. You know, he sets up idols made 96 feet tall. You know, an idol of himself. Everyone has to bow down to him. Kills wants to kill anyone who doesn't. I mean, the guy's. You know, he totally. I mean, he's bipolar or schizophrenic or something. And yet Daniel's like, you know, when and then when the king has a bad dream about himself, Daniel's like, I wish this was about your enemies and not about you. I'd be like, dude, you're dead. <laughs> you are dead. I, I'm so glad you brought me in here to interpret the dream. Let me tell you what it means. You are arrogant and prideful. You killed my parents. You tore down my... And now God's getting you back. But instead, Daniel's like, oh king, live forever. I would this was about your enemies and not about you. He does the same thing with Darius. You know, Darius puts him in the lion's Then You know the whole story of Darius. and Darius gets... You know, tricked into put him in the lion's den, he fasts all night. It says that the king fasted all night. That's a royal fast. I believe in fasting all night. I really do. I think more of us ought to do that. Fast all night. You break fast in the morning. It says that Darius was so... He was so troubled about, uh, that he had to put Daniel in the lion's den. He was so troubled said so he, he fasted all night. And he gets up early in the morning. <clears throat> I'm not doing good today. Anyway, he runs to the tomb. And when, he gets, when, he's a far, when he's a distance from the tomb, he yells, Daniel, was your God whom you serve day and night able to save you? And this is the words that come from the pit, from the lion's den. O king, live forever. This is the guy who put him in the lion's den. O king, live forever. That is amazing. What would happen? I, just, I feel like the Lord's going to give us extraordinary love for people that we wouldn't normally even like. Dan would like them, but we wouldn't like them. But the Lord's going to give us extraordinary love. Listen, this is, I'm prophesying this. I feel like the Lord's going to give us extraordinary love for people who are on the other side of the political fence, on the other side of issues that we hold dear to our heart. Are you with me? And it's, and it's going to, to to some Christians, to the religious world, and to some Christians, they're going to think that we agree with their, with their stances on issues because we love them so much. And I want to propose to you that that's denominationalism at its worst. In denominationalism, we don't have permission to have a relationship with somebody that we don't agree with. And that's, the Lord is breaking that spirit. And when the Lord breaks that spirit, the most powerful ramifications of that spirit is not church splits, but it's, it's the, the inability to influence people in whom we have a different opinion. And, and see, this is, this is one of the ways I think denominationalism works. I'm talking about not denominations, but the ism, right? Like communism. Like, I think the ism is a spirit. And I think that, you know, I've said this many times, but we're Protestants. We were born in a protest. But we weren't born in a protest over um, slavery. We weren't born in a protest over, you know, um, I don't know, uh, abortion. We were born in a protest over Truth. Are you with me? We were born in a protest over what we believe the Bible meant. And how many of you know that that thing... Hmm. Well, you just weigh this. Is it possible that's a curse that has followed us into the nations and it kept us from discipling nations? Because we feel like, see, our forefathers divided over truth... And we feel like that we have to defend truth over defend relationships. So I can't be... So, in, you know, obviously in the Christian world, if I disagree with you, we, we have a church split. I leave when I don't agree. I gather when I agree and I leave when I don't agree. We've been talking about this lots of times. But maybe the most profound thing about denominationalism is not the way it works in the church to split churches, but the way it keeps us from touching darkness. That in order for us to touch people, we feel like we have to agree with them. I'd like to propose to you that denominationalism is probably the spirit behind ordaining homosexuals. Because we, want to inc- because we don't have permission to be with someone we don't agree with, somebody has to change. Either we have to change, either they have to change so that we can embrace them, but if they won't change and we still love them, we have to figure out some way that we can be together. I don't know if this would make any sense. So if we can't get them to change their view, I have a sense that we change our view because that spirit demands that we agree to embrace people. And so we end up with people who are ordained in our churches because we're trying to say, we really love you. And we don't have permission to love you without you being right. If you're not right, we can't love you. Unless we have an agenda to change your opinion. So evangelism looks like, I, when I evangelize somebody, I try to get them to agree with what I believe. And I want to propose to you that you had an experience way before you even knew what you believed. How much did you know about Jesus before you received him? I mean, at what point were you really saved? I mean, did you know about the Trinity? I don't even know if you know about the Trinity right now. Some of you are looking at me like, the Trinity. Are you talking about the Alps? or? I, I, let me ask you a question. How much did Abraham understand about the Trinity? I, I, mean, I guess you could be saying like, oh, you, don't, you don't think the Word of God is important. No, I totally do. I totally do. I could preach the other side of this but I'm not doing that right now because I'm preaching this side. It says Abraham was a friend of God. He didn't have a Bible. He didn't go to a home group. He did tithe. Because he looked into the future and he saw, he saw, he saw Ananias and Sapphira. That's not true. Yeah, <laughs> it jumped on me again. <laughs> but can, can, you get, can you understand what I'm saying? In denominationalism, we don't have permission to be, to be friends with people that disagree with us unless we have an agenda to get them to agree. Because we're convinced that God falls on people when they get everything right. So, we don't think that God can touch people without being right. And yet, over and over in history, God touched people who were totally wrong. Like most of us. Are you following me? And so, I'm like, you know, we're like, you know, God is definitely not going to touch Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar is a polytheist. You know, he believes in multiple gods. And up till the fourth chapter, he thinks Daniel's one too. He said, he goes, Daniel, in whom are the holy gods? Plural, gods. And Daniel doesn't go, uh, and let me, no, listen, uh, Listen, if I'm going to prophesy to you, we're going to have to get this right. All those multiple gods, no, no, I serve one God. He gets it when he loses his mind, and God gives his mind back. He goes, there's only one God, and everyone will serve him. And, you know, he, he's got, he still has issues. Like, he wants to kill people who don't serve Daniel's God. Anyone who doesn't serve Daniel's God is dead. What was his name? He never does know his name. He calls him the God of Daniel. Did you notice that? Not one time in the Bible does he go, you know, it's, it's Jehovah. He said, and everybody will serve the God of Daniel. Whatever his name is, he's the only God. His kingdom is an everlasting... And he makes this powerful statement. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom which shall not come to an end. How did he know that? God told him. What else did he know? That was probably it. How many of you have ever had something when you're young, you're a brand new Christian, God gives you this profound statement people are like, wow, you know the whole Bible. It's like, no, all you know is that one statement you just made. Like, wow, you're growing so quickly. Then the next statement out of your mouth, they're like, are you saved? We're going to have to adjust the way that we think that God moves. I think it's important for people to have... Like, I read my Bible every every day, and I have for 31 years, and maybe I've maybe missed 20 or 30 times. If it's more than that, I'm not trying to exaggerate. I, I'll go to bed and, and, and go to sleep and wake up in the middle of the night, and go, I didn't read my Bible, I promised God I would. And I turned my little light on, Kathy got me a little light because I think she should read when I read. So I turn all the lights on and I'm like, I bought you a light. Uh, you didn't do that for me, baby. You did that for you. <laughs> that was very challenging when she did that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, marriage is work for Kathy. We're coming to this place where where God is. He's going to open doors for us, and I think that it's really important that we realize. I don't. I don't really feel like preaching. I just have these thoughts, like, like when I become friends, like. Okay, let me tell you this. On the on when I gave Ahmad my purity book, it was a white book that said purity, the new moral revolution. It was really pretty. He goes, this is pretty. I can't put this on VH1. People that are that I'm touching will never read this book. It looks nice. I go, what do you need? He goes, I need a black book that says sexual revolution on it. I'm like, all right. So we made it black. And on the back, Ahmad endorsed the book. Now, Ahmad has sexual issues. I mean, he says this. It's on his own. T- I'm, not, I'm not revealing some secret in a room. I mean, he's he's got, he advertises my book, and he's like, this book helped me with my issues that I'm still dealing with. And people are like, why did you have him endorse your purity book? Like, he's not the sign of purity in his own admission. I'm like, because the people I'm trying to reach have his struggle, and they relate to him. And they're the ones who need the book. And I was laying awake the other night and I thought, and I had this thought, you know, the, the closer I get to mod, the more certain people are not going to want to have a relationship with me. Because they think that I don't, they think that I agree with mod's lifestyle. And I just love mod, And I, I have a whole, I'm starting to get a whole bunch of friends like them. Like, I, I have a friend who's a Democrat. And she's in government and she just totally loves me. We were sat together not too long ago. It's like, we just totally don't agree. And she's like, Do you have a word for me? And I'm like, No, I can't give you a word. I don't agree with you. I have serious issues with some of your issues. You're challenging. But the Lord is inviting us into these places and we're going to have to figure out. First of all, we're going to have to figure out like what to do with our brothers. Jesus had the same problem. If you hang around with people who have bad lifestyles, even if you don't have a bad lifestyle, pretty soon people think you do because they don't think you would hang around with somebody that you didn't agree with. So they think, well, you know, you must be like them because the company you keep Tells us what you believe And I have a feeling that the company that lots of us are going to keep Is going to have anything to do with what we believe It's just going to have everything to do with who we love And my question is Can you love people you don't agree with? You're like, well, of course I can I'm not talking about from a distance, though Yes, I love You know, whoever <laughs> I don't even know anyone who's evil <laughs> I'm like We're so isolated. Like, it's been so long since I've seen someone who isn't a Christian. I don't even know who's popular. Like, you know, Frank Sinatra. Every example I ever I I share, all the young people are like, "Who's that?" Like, never heard of John Lennon? What the heck's wrong with you? It's easy to love people from a distance like, yeah, I love that person. But if you live in a way that benefits, okay, here we go. If you love somebody and your love benefits them so that you're helping them be successful when you don't agree with them, that's where the rubber hits the road. Like, how would it be if you got to be, if the Lord called you to be, I don't know, know, some politician that is you know pro abortion pro homosexuality i don't know what are the other you know buzzwords that are really important to me at least and they're like they're like leading that and they call you for a prophetic word and you start to give them direction and wisdom and you start to you start to keep them in office by your wisdom you're like i don't i don't think i should be doing this. like i don't agree with them and i don't want my friends to think i am Well, we better figure out what to do about that, because that's going to happen. In the next five years, we're going to be the main people giving counsel to people in high positions. And and you're going to want to tell your friends, listen, this is what works. I'm working on them. (laughs) Left the four spiritual laws. Under, in his Koran. Put John 3.16 in his Ouija board. See, if you tell your friends that, they'll leave you alone because as long as you're trying to convert them to the way you think, then you have a mission. It's all right. But if you're actually trying to help someone because you actually love them, that's not okay until you change their opinion. And I have a feeling that we actually influence people after we actually love them and not before. And that God's going to give us like we like we believe in miracles around here, you would know that if you're in here. I have a feeling that the greatest miracle we're going to see in the next 2 or 3 years is supernatural love that totally transcends... Listen listen to what I'm saying. I'm not trying to to just rah-rah you. Supernatural love that actually transcends your mind. Your mind's going to be going like,
2: Whoa, we don't like this person at all!
0: (laughs) And your heart's going to be, I totally love this person. What are your friends going to think? (laughs) (laughs) You're going to get your butt fired.
1: (laughs) You're not going to sell books having a friend like that.
0: And all of us that have our life completely together understand these problems. (laughs) We understand that there are other people that do not have their life totally together like ours. And therefore, we we are an absolute great person to make a judgment on other people's hearts because we are a perfect example of somebody who walks in complete and total wholeness. And therefore, we have a reason why we're not being merciful to people who are screwed up. Because we are not. Both Bill and I. We have it together. Well, at least I do. And Bill does too. Okay, I don't know if I'm making a point really. Proverbs 18:11 A rich man's wealth in his I'm sorry a rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his own imagination Get this a rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his own imagination Proverbs 21:22 A wise man scales the wall of the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they t- Trust. <clears throat> I think the Lord allows us to bring down strongholds that people trust in when they have some place somebody's arms to fall into. You know, um, I struggle with this, like the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. I haven't heard it taught here this way, just to be totally honest, but I've been a few places where... Actually, I've been to two places where two different people were teaching about the wealth of the wicked being stored up for the righteous and how God's turning the wealth to us. And, um, you know, it was all scriptural. It was fine, except for I just just have a struggle with what we do with it once we get it. (laughs) Because the reason why God is giving the wealth of the wicked to the righteous is so that the righteous can take care of the wicked when they haven't been taking care of themselves. See, God loves the wicked. He makes it rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. You should all know that God loved the wicked because he loved you before you knew him. And so the reason why God's going to give us money is because they're not taking good care of themselves and God's going to say, all that money, I, I'm going to give you as much money as you won't hang on to. So that you can take care of the people who aren't taking care of themselves. So, so whose children aren't eating because they're doing drugs, whose Who's, who's spending money on things that, w- well, well, their families go without. God's going God's to give us money so that we can take care of the people who used to have the money. Because God takes care of us. I don't like when we teach, like, we're going to get rich, and those people are going to you know that that God's with us, because they're going to be dirt poor, all slaves, and we're going to have all the money, and they're going to love us. No, they're not going to love you, they're going to hate you. Anyone ever been to Africa? What happens when you walk into the poor towns of Africa? You think those people... They need, you need armed guards when you go with Heidi. You know why? Because they don't like you. They have walls around their compound. Why? Because they live dirt poor. And, that's, and Heidi gives all of her money to help them. What would happen if you were just living in a big castle going, this is what happens when you live for God, and that dump you live in, that's what happens when you don't. See the contrast? They don't see the contrast. They see a person who, does, who they hate. <laughs> they don't usually go, well, I think I'll serve God because I'll get a mansion. They usually go, you got that some deceptive way. But what happens when you take your wealth and you, and you give it back to the righteous in a way that develops an ecosystem that they and their children can be healthy in? That's why God's given us money, because He wants us to have influence, because He's going to give us a supernatural love that our heart's going to love people our head doesn't like. And then our head's going to get to like them too. I hope. That's what I believe. So, all right. I've talked a long time. Why don't you stand up and we'll just pray this happens. Wouldn't it be awesome if we were a message instead of had one? Like Paul said, you're, he said to the Corinthians, you are my message, it's written in your heart. I have um, some folks working out, out at my house, really nice people, really, really nice people, and they're, they're doing some, uh, some building stuff for me. And they've just been out there for about, I guess about a month, on and off. And we've just been interacting, and, and um, they've had some, um, some challenging... Things with their with their kids and anyway we've just been interacting little by little and there's like well, you know my son came over the other day and we just inter- we were we were talking and they're like oh you have a great relationship with your son you know we're having a struggle with our son what would you do and I just started sharing with them Danny's stuff and they're like that's amazing where did you get that I go here's Danny's book I gave him Danny's book I go I need that one back that's my signed copy <laughs> so. I'm um, interacting with them just more and more. I mean, I haven't said a word about church, about the Lord. I just given them tools. Like, um, you know, this is probably what's going on with your son, and this is probably why, and he probably feels controlled. Yeah, he says that. I feel I, he feels controlled. I'm mean, yeah, okay. Well, I don't know how else to get him to do stuff without, you know. I'm like, oh well, here's some tools right here. And his wife comes over and she was sharing his, her struggle, and I'm like, yeah, well, this is what I would do, and and um, this is how I did it wrong, and this is how I learned to do it right, and it was really cool. And, so, so recently, today we were talking and they're like, um, so what, what church do you go to? I'm like, oh, they pay me to go to church.
2: <laughs>
0: and, and, you, know, and I said, I, you know, there's lots of really good churches in town, which they're really, there is awesome churches in town. And, and they're kind of conservative people. And I said, you would really love Little Country Church. It's awesome. Like, Brian's a great preacher and I was sharing with them. And they go, well, how come 3,000 people come to your church? I go. Our church is pretty radical. And He goes. I'm pretty radical. I'm like. I, I don't. I don't know if you could deal with our church. He says. Well, I'd like to try. When, when's the services? And, well, have you tried? Have you tried Risen King? That's a great church too. He's like. He goes. I've watched people walk up that hill to your church. There must be a reason why people walking up that hill. What is going on at your church? I said, Oh, we have dancers and flaggers. He goes, Flaggers? <laughs> you know, <laughs> directing traffic, he's thinking, you know. He would have loved the testimony of the cone today, you know. He's like, Flaggers? I go, Yeah, yeah. Well, a different color flag. You know, yeah, yeah, not like the American flag. Like, Flaggers and people dance like, Dancing, you mean like, no, no, not country. No, no. It was, it's kind of like ballet with Holy Spirit superimposed over it. And no, I, and he looks at her and he goes, we need to go see that. We need to check that out. But what's really happening is, is that, honestly, over a month, they're just falling in love with us. They're just falling in love with us. And, and um, I mean, how can they not? No, I mean, I mean, sincerely, I don't mean our lives are perfect, but shouldn't it be that to know us is to love us? Are we not Christ in another form? I don't mean that we're Jesus and we're not Mormons or anything like that. But, but, I mean, isn't Christ in us? I mean, it's just really cool when people are just like, I like you. You're like, no, no don't come to my church. Go here, go there, go there. No, I want to come to your church. It's like, pretty radical. I'm a radical person. I don't know if you like it. I'll like it. <laughs> By the end of the conversation, like, I like flags. I like dancers. So we need to go. You need to go to his church. Like, yeah. how long are the services? Oh, I don't know. Sometimes four hours. <laughs> wow. Four hours. I mean, he's like, wow, something really awesome must be going on for people to stay for four hours. Like,
2: <laughs> you really do want to come, don't you?
0: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I just I want to pray for God to just give us supernatural love and wisdom. Like, like do, you, do you understand that it's really easy to talk about from here. On a serious note, th- these are all easy things to talk about. These are easy principles to write on a board and to get everyone like, yeah. The the challenge is when you get involved with people like this. Uh, you know, and I honestly, I just have a few of those friends right now. But I find myself laying awake, like, I'm not sure if I should do this or that. And I'm not even talking about, like, like our team, like, they... They know me really well. You've been together forever. There's none of that on our team. Like, hey, they're like, they totally trust me. I totally trust them. It's not, I don't have any fear like I'm going to be misunderstood on our team. It's not that. I just don't know really what to do. Like, do I help this person in their dysfunction? Like, one of my close friends is living together and they want to know how to have a better life living together. And I'm like, you got to get married. Okay, we're going to have to get there at some point. But you know what I'm saying? We need wisdom. Like, how do we do this? Like, I know the right answer. You know, you know the right answer, but they're not ready for the full right answer. So we need wisdom. We need to love people, but we need wisdom, and we need character so that we don't get polluted by them. Which is the reason why there's monasteries all over the place, because people are like, you know, when I get around those people, my I have an appetite for those things. Yeah, and the goal is to control your appetite, manage your appetite. Right? So, okay, so let's just pray right now. Father, we need, we need wisdom. I mean, we need real practical, practical wisdom as we move into the darkness. As we move into these darkest places, these cesspools, these, these demonically infected and influenced places. Lord, we need wisdom. Wisdom on what to say, <laughs> on what to do. We need wisdom on how to love people that we absolutely do not agree with. And God, we need, we need to break this denominational spirit off of us so that, we, so that we love truth and we love people. I don't even know how you do this. But Lord, that we can embrace these people and love them without some kind of agenda and yet so passionately want to see them know the author of this book. I don't know how to do this. God, I just pray that you, that, you would, that you would help us. That you would help us love people. That we'd be able to help real sinners. I mean, people who are really stuck. We'd be able to just become their close friend and really just want to help them. And that You would give us prophetic words. You would give us insight. That You would give us words of knowledge. that you would... and, 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 and all not so we can manipulate them, but so that we can love them. And Lord, I pray that the experience that I'm having with my friends would be our experience. Like this would be a prophetic act with my new friends. That people would go, I want to go. I... Where is it you go? Why do all those people go there? Why do you do this? Why do you pray like that? Why do you... How come your kids like you? Wait. What? You know, why does your marriage work? You know, Lord, I just pray for for uh, for us to just to be a message. To be a message. Oh, I just want to stop for a second. I just had this thought. I don't like to preach when I pray. This you know, Daniel had four kings he served. Three kings he loved. One king Nebuchadnezzar's son. He absolutely said he just didn't he just said you know what you you're, you're going to die cuz you watched your father have a relationship with God and you knew what you were doing is wrong and no mercy i have no idea how he knew the difference but he did he knew when god when god was sanctifying his mercy and he knew when he wasn't and we need that and so i want to pray for that too lord we need we need that kind of we need sanctified mercy, not, not pity, not, not just pity. We need sanctified mercy. We need to know when you are like, I want to wrap my arms around that person, and when you're like, they need a little longer in the, in, in, in the, in the pig farm until they're ready. Lord, we need that. We need wisdom, not just a principle. We need, we need, we need wisdom, we need the prince of the principle to lead us and guide us with different people so that we don't treat everyone the same because you don't treat everyone the same. You love us all the same, but you deal with us individually. Teach us how to do that, Father. Teach us how to do that. Give us discernment. Thank you, Lord. One more area. Lord, I pray, I pray for our appetites. I pray for our appetite for, for wealth. I pray for our appetite for fame. I pray for our appetite for sex. I pray for our appetite for food and for things. All, those, all that stuff. I pray, God, that we could manage our appetite. That it would not manage us. That we could say to our appetite... You will not eat the king's food. You will eat vegetables. Oh, God, please not that. That would be more than I could do. But seriously, Lord, that we could manage our appetites. When we sit with somebody who has something that we want, we could say, Lord, I'm so glad you gave that to them. And we could mean it in our heart because we really love them. Lord, help us to manage our appetites so that we can have integrity in these in these tough situations. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much.